In this episode, Nick and Connor break down their Colorado elk hunt. They go over the things that went well for them, the different experiences they had with elk, as well as other public land hunters, and they go over things that didn't go well and how they want to change those for the future. This podcast being an hour long wasn't near enough time for them to fully delve into everything they wanted to. So be on the lookout. There will be another podcast on this subject um, in the near future. Enjoy. All right. So we got Nick Moore, which everyone's already met, back on talking about our elk hunt. We went back to Colorado this year and it went well for the group, but it didn't go as well for Nick and I as the previous year. Correct? In that, Connor didn't get an elk, and he fucking let us down. <laughs> Why don't you ever kill one? I'm more of a wingman at this point. My You're just a pack guy? At this point in my hunting career, I'm more of a wingman. You're just there to pack out my yeah, elk. Correct. Well, that's nice. Correct. I, I appreciate that. I really do. Makes it a lot easier for me. I kill them. You get them off the mountain. Truth. All right. So we just kind of wanted to go over everything that happened on the elk hunt, kind of talk about what we learned and things we might do differently. There were some different scenarios each one of us got into. Um, basically, we did the same elk hunt as last year. We have a main base camp with Nick's dad. It's still awesome. It's actually better this year because he, maybe we shouldn't say, but he got a on-demand water heater for a shower. So it was like not really roughing it, but. That was crazy. That was awesome. <laughs> you had a hot shower every day when you came back. And you didn't have to wait to heat it up or anything. No, and he bought an extra wall tent this year. So Nick and I had our own wall tent instead of having to shower. Although I think it was smaller. I think what we had was actually technically smaller. Yeah, but we didn't have to share it with like three other guys. So yeah. It was all good, mm-hmm. but no, it was, it was a fun year. Um, right away. I mean, we, he goes out there for two weeks and we came second week. Like mm-hmm. we wanted to try to get into more. Same as last year. Yeah. Which, so, I mean, it's, everybody knows it's hunting, but last year we come out second week. They hadn't seen crap the first week and, and the we season get into was elk. earlier. Yeah. Last year. And we get into elk like crazy last year. This year we get out there and they already have. What, uh, two? They um, shot a bull and a and cow. A yeah. And then the night we got there, they it shot another a, cow. Yeah. 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 So it's like, all right, this is about to be an awesome week. And then first morning, Nick and I go to an area almost to where I shot my bull last year. We just wanted to check out these meadows. And, well, no, that was first evening. We split off. Yeah. But then, so that would have been, so uh, setup was a little different. Last year we got delayed and he uh, basically we didn't get to hunt the first morning because our flight got delayed. Correct. So this year we, our first hunt was a morning hunt, which is yes. what we did basically right. first morning last year. And we went down, did the big loop by the creek, and we got into that. We had that bull bugling, but he was staying on private. Right away in the morning, yeah. We did a setup on him. I personally think, and I think you would agree with that morning one, uh we had him bugling out in that meadow. Um, I think we probably should have pushed in a little more, but I stayed back to do some calling sequences. Mm-hmm. We both started looking into that elk nut guy a little more this year. But after I started doing the calling, it wasn't like 20 minutes, and there was something walking around in front of you. And I really thought that elk was coming. 
wasn't him because he bugled again later. But I think something was over there. The hard part is, is like everything is was silent this year. I mean, the very last morning we got into well, Eagles. I got into him the one day with your dad, and I screwed that encounter up. But we can talk about that as we oh, dive yeah, in. Gotcha. Remember? But before that, I didn't hear a bugle. No, until... it was quiet. But here's so so we'll so morning one encounter one. We hear a bugle right away. We're like, man, this is gonna be great. <clears throat> he bugled maybe once or twice. It was a good morning. We did a little hiking, got, you know, just our lungs ready for the day. Then that night, we went to those two meadows. Mm -hmm. I had a spike come in to 40. Mm -hmm. Can't shoot spikes in Colorado. Couldn't shoot it. Uh, But then right at last light, I had a calf just come mewing through the meadow, about ran me over. She came right by me. I thought she was going to be followed by either a bigger cow or a bull. Then she ran down down the drain to you or down the hill to you. So we're like, man, this is awesome. We got three elk in camp. We've been here one day. We've heard a bugle. We've seen elk. Like, this is going to be awesome. Well, that was the evening that I was supposed to find, like, an easy path to get through. Uh, basically, to the the next morning, we were going to go to the spot where you killed your bull the Correct. year prior. So I was supposed to find, like, an easy path through uh, to get there quietly and, and through the dark. Um, and, and that evening I was like 20 yards away from a moose. So Mm -hmm. like we had action the whole evening. Um, and it was awesome. I had, I had video of it. I had pictures of it. Um, and then I came back. Well, it was a, it was a, uh, cow with a couple calves and, 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 uh, two calves, two or three calves. Yeah. So that was cool. So obviously at that point we've got action we've got elk we've got we moose. got a new trail that gets us to where i shot my bull yep a lot sooner like we're thinking this is awesome and then a little side note we we did our initial plans for this trip was we're gonna get there spend a day with his dad and that crew then what we're gonna do is pack our bags up and we're gonna hike back to an area where nick and i got into bulls bugling last year nick and i actually mm-hmm. saw two bulls your dad saw a bull that morning mm-hmm. and we were going to camp that drainage and it was basically like four drainages meet and we were going to hike each one for a day then come back to camp so after we have this first night we've had a bull bugle i've seen two elk nick's seen moose and a cow mm-hmm. we're like why would we leave when they're killing elk in this hillside yeah they've got they've got Two dead elk and one that we're going to look for in the morning at that time. Going, at that time, yeah. So it's like, why would we leave elk to go find elk, basically? But looking back, and that's what this whole conversation is about. And like, what do you think? Like, what, what did you take away from what to die? I mean, the next morning we go back out. We go to the same areas. Um, basically, it just started. The well started drying up. Mm-hmm. We didn't see elk for the next day or two. We didn't hear any elk until what was it day three or four when you had that encounter with the bull down at that wallow. Yeah. So the what was that morning? That was the first morning. We that went. was the evening because remember we got twisted up in the pines where you were you and I were supposed to meet. Yeah. So we hunted three days on this hillside thinking, hey, like we've already said three times now, we got elk. Why would we leave elk, right? Mm-hmm. But what I personally believe, and then knowing now, once we drove the main road around, we had guys pushing that pressure down. Mm-hmm. Plus, your dad and his buddies had already been hunting that drainage for like two or a week and a half now. Mm-hmm. It was time to move on. And Nick and I agreed on that. But what we were going to do was 
before we fully committed to a base camp two miles back, we were going to go to the meadow. I shot my bull and do this big loop. Because at that point, we hadn't hunted that yet. And Correct. It's always produced in the past. And yep. Not, I mean, it, it's not hunted a lot, but... That's where you shot a cow a yep. few years back. And yep. I mean, it's been a good area. But so, anyways, Nick takes the trail back down that evening. Our plan was Nick's going to go back down there. Mm-hmm. He's got to find this main trail going down. He's going to, we call it the beaver ponds. Yep. He's going to hang out down there, make sure we have the trails cleared, ready for the morning, so then him and I can leave at 3 a.m., get to the beaver ponds, and you got to go around the mountain and start hunting, mm-hmm. which it's, what, two miles from camp, mile and a half? Yeah, it's, two, it's maybe a little under two. It's a good little poke back there, especially in the dark, but that's where we're going to start hunting. Mm-hmm. So Nick and I split off. He goes down there. Again, I didn't see anything on that, but you can take it away on what you saw that night. So, I didn't see anything, and in fact, or up until the last portion, but in fact, so I got to where I thought my uh, my dad said, hey, this is a good place to post up. Um, here's a decoy if you want to use a decoy. We, I mean, we haven't had much luck with it in Colorado, and in Montana, it worked really well. Well, basically, cold call from this spot because yep. it's so quiet. Yep. So it's it's just a big it's a valley between two two mountains. Um, I set up, I got going, and uh, ten minutes into the hunt, I had a guy walk up on me. Um, I'm thinking, oh, this is terrible. I, I talked to him a little bit. He's a, a local. Um, he hunts that range in the evening, just due to the wind coming down, the thermals coming down. Um, he goes, hey, you're hunting this. I'll turn back around, which. Kudos to the residents of Colorado. That yeah. was pretty cool. He didn't need to do that. Yeah. Um, so basically sit there the rest of the evening. Um, I'm pretty far away from camp. Um, so I've got a time in mind where I'm going to like start packing up and going, which is Because probably... we're supposed to meet on the point of the mountain to walk mm-hmm. the ridge back to camp together. So literally five minutes before I'm supposed to um, start packing up, I kind of peek my head on the the left side of this big uh, pine tree that I'm sitting behind, and all of a sudden I just see uh, a little four by four making his way out. And he's probably 250, 250 yards away, um, and so I I get my bugle tube up and I just cow call through it as loud as I can. And he looks back, he sees the decoy. This is is probably one of the cooler experiences I've ever had hunting. Sees the decoy. Kind of takes a quick five steps towards it. And then, um, again, I'm hunting in this valley. So it, it kind of drops down into this creek that works into like beaver pond looking things, which is why we call it the beaver ponds. Um, and then all of a sudden I lose them. And I'm thinking, where in the world did he go? All of a sudden I hear splash, 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 splash. And I hear him. And then I hear like hooves going through the mud. And then I hear splash, 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 splash. Well, I don't know enough about elk hunting at this point. I probably should, but um, so he's 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 like perfuming himself is is what everybody at back at camp ends up telling me. And uh, I I hear this for like ten minutes, just splash, 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 and then I hear him trouncing. And then he pops up on the other hillside, basically seventy yards away. And I see him walk down that hillside in and out of trees. And he walks past me. He crosses the the beaver ponds in the creek. 
comes up downwind of me and just sticks his nose up, barks at me, and then literally just beelines the same route that he took and and heads back to, to where he was coming from. The, the cool part is, is like as basically we're second year and third year yeah. elk hunters. So like all you hear about is, hey, you can't fool an elk's nose. Yeah. And they will work themselves downwind of you to check first. And it's like, do they really do that? And but then to like watch that, it, watch it happen, uh, watch it unfold. Like that's exactly what he did, and it, it was a young bull at that. So could you so imagine, imagine what an old herd bull? Like a, do. yeah, could yeah. you imagine what an older bull would do? Um, and that, but that I mean, that's still way cool that mm-hmm. all that ha- even though you didn't get it done, you still got yep. the encounter, which is just one more notch in your book. Yeah. You know? So essentially, at a bull seventy yards away. I think I probably could have played it a little differently. I think when they're they're splashing themselves, I think now I know that you can probably chase up on them and yeah, and they're get, a little distracted. Get right up on them, but at the time you don't know. So, so that was uh, that was what that was, was like that third night, night two or, or night three, yeah. probably night three, night three or four. But while all this is going on, like he said, he was it's supposed getting, to leave yeah. at like seven thirty to meet me on top of the hill by eight, which is pitch black. Now it's eight. It's like nine o'clock, and I'm like, yeah. I told Nick I ain't leaving this spot. To, I was like, I'm gonna spend the night here because I don't know where he's at. And you know, your mind starts racing, it's getting kind of, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, what is going on? And then I just see a little tiny light, like behind this wall of pines, and it's just zigzagging like thirty yards. And every time he turns around, here, I'm go shit. And then, then so I'm like flashing my flashlight and trying to, and he doesn't see me. Then all of a sudden, I just hear him start cow calling. So I start cow calling back and then he's trying to find me and it was a whole big thing. So from my perspective, I, at that point, like I had just gotten turned around. I, I semi knew where I was. Um, if this makes its way back to Onyx, uh, Onyx, your, uh, your, uh, directional cone was just going around in circles and heavy cover. The directional cone did not work. Yeah. Yeah. It was just going around in circles. And it was the first evening that I, I basically said, Hey, Onyx is working pretty well. Um, I'm just not going to take my compass. And, uh, <laughs> so you get into the thick woods and the cone just goes in circles, but, but anyhow, luckily we're only like 50 yards apart so we could mm-hmm. call and find each other. But so from then on, we knew like, Hey, there's elk, over there's there. elk over there. And basically where that bull came from is where I was on the other side of that hill is where I killed my bull the year before. So we're like, Hey, telling Nick's dad, we want to go. We want to go to the next drainage. Mm-hmm. We want to start working the next morning. So we said, let's go do it. Mm-hmm. So we did the same meadow, same setup, everything we did for my bull. The morning you killed yours. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we did this the next morning because we knew there was elk over there. And basically what we do is we start. Nick's dad's below. I go 100 yards up. Nick goes 100 yards. We do cold calling sessions. We, It's a transition area going from dark timbers to our left feedings to our right and the winds in our face and mm-hmm. typically them elk are moving between and we'll just start cold calling his dad rakes and does some chuckling and some cow calling acting like some stuff's going on and it's worked really well in the past and then every hour his dad gets me i get nick and we move our way up this mountain till about 10 when the thermal switch and we're on top of the hill now so we do this nothing produces of it we sit down we have lunch we're kind of talking Nick's dad's like, hey, I'm going to head back. Nick and I say, hey, we're going to do this big loop that we've been wanting to do. Mm-hmm. 
I think we did like 14 miles that day or something. Mm-hmm. It was. Anyways, we. I was, I was ready to be back at camp that well, night. Well, when the we got rained out twice that day. And, <sighs> but the good. So we, we head off and we go to where we got encounters with those two bulls bugling the year before. Where we. That, that one bull is 80 yards down mm-hmm. the ridge. And so we're like, okay, this is the area we wanted to check out. I kind of prepared because I thought we might go out there. Nick had some trail mix his dad gave him. <laughs> I didn't think I had a ton of – I think I had maybe eight ounces of water on me. Yeah. I, we literally made the decision. I was like, all right, well, well, let's, let's get it done. Let's try it. Yeah. So what we wanted to do was once we got to this area, um, we basically were going to split. And this mountain makes an L around a corner of private. And then there's a big – it's a valley – there's a big meadow down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Nick was going to take the high side. I was going to take the low side. We were going to find trails and basically stay 100 yards, 200 yards apart from each other. Or try to stay that far apart, yeah. Exactly. And what, what our kind of game plan was, was, you know, take four hours and we we're going to meet at the corner on Onyx where the, um, where the fence post for the private was. Yep. But what we would do is, you know, every 150, 200 yards, we'd stop, do a couple of light cow calls, and just basically walk Sit elk for trails. 10 minutes, yeah. 12 minutes, 15 minutes. And whatever. just kind of divide and conquer over this huge range and then meet back up in the corner just to see is there any good fresh sign for us to want to make a spike camp out here, mm-hmm. you know? So there's a little confusion on where to meet. We we're supposed to meet there at like one. I'm literally sitting against the post, being like, he's supposed to be here at one. But everybody knows how it goes. So I just sit and sit and sit. I'm Every 15 minutes, I'm cow calling in a bugle. But it's very windy. And to so I'm sitting there, and it's like 2.30 now. And Nick, you thought we were meeting. I Honestly, I, I did not think we were meeting at the post. And it turns out the post wasn't really the post. No, either. it was the post. And that, this is probably the private landowner's fault. Onyx was dead on. Yep. We literally found the mark yep. where like the Forest Service put it in longitude and latitude that was spike the, in the ground. That was honestly right where that was, where we're, was where Onyx put the, the private land So sign. that's where I was, but the, the yep. rancher has moved his fence line 100 yards into National Forest ground. I think what he did is he basically followed the easiest path, and it just got onto public land, which still isn't right. I can see why he would do it that yeah. way. Um, but yeah, so, so Nick, we ended up crossing, but not knowing it. And Nick stayed that and he thought we were meeting at the way that the, the topographical layer made a curve in curve. the mountain. Yeah. So the bad part is we're really only like 250 Three, yards, 300 two, yards three, away, yeah. but we're bugling and calling. We're just at different elevations and it's windy. So I can't hear him. He can't hear me. But what this happens is I'm like, well, I sit there for an hour and a half. I eat a little bit more. I said, you know what? We were going to walk this whole range around. I said, I gotta, I'm got. i going to start heading back to camp. He'll figure it out. We'll meet at camp. Mm-hmm. I go like 200 yards, and I, I go over because the spot below us, now the wind's good, and this is where his dad was like, hey, Take go through time. there nicely. It's north-facing slope. We've gotten into bulls in there. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I find a nice trail, I go over the edge, and all I'm going to do is just a locate bugle to see if anything's in there, otherwise I'm going to make my way. So I locate bugle. I get a bugle back, and I'm like, that doesn't sound like an, like, it sounds like an elk, but I think it's Nick. More of a human, yeah. I'm not the greatest bugler. So 
I'm like, it's definitely, so I'm kind of like relieved a little bit because I got my heart and partner back. Like, th- I just, not that we need to be together. I just want to make sure he's not waiting for me and I, di- I left too soon type of scenario. So anyways, we're basically calling back and forth to each other mm-hmm. to try to find out where we are. Yeah. And while this is going on, I didn't know it. And at the time, Nick didn't know it. But we ended up calling in a bull because mm-hmm. of all the ruckus to Nick. So mm-hmm. you can go ahead and jump into that. So actually, it is a, a little bit before I heard your first bugle. I was uh, kind of getting to the point where I was I was kind of calling for you more frequently. I was just like, man, I'm pretty sure he's below me. I followed the fence, which turns out to have gone way lower than what I should have. So it turns out it makes sense now why we would have crisscrossed. But So I kind of sit down as the mountain starts to L around and... It's, it's kind of a cool sight. Like, as you hit that L shape, it, it kind of opens up with blowdown. And but you, it, get to, you, you get to, like, see how big and how that just is. spacious the mountain yeah. is. Well, because it's four drainages meet, and you can really yep. see all of the drain. Yep. Whoa. And it's all roadless back in there. Yep. And um, so I basically just, I sit down, I bugle, I cow call, and... Honestly, this is probably my inexperience, but I hear a crack, and looking back on it, it was not a squirrel. It was not anything. And anything I, small. It wasn't anything small. Like you hear, you hear squirrels. You hear, and, and it always tricks you. And then you're like, I should have known. But and then I cow. Probably three or four or five minutes later, I cow call, and I look up to my left. You're sitting on an elk trail. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting on a game trail, and all of a sudden, this bull just bolts, turns around the other way, cracks. He's probably 50 yards away, <laughs> just coming in silent. Um, just great. I mean, you, I mean, branch antler bull and all that. And yeah, from my point of view, I finally get him. I can hear him now down there. I call. We start meeting up. He, we finally can see each other at like 50 yards, and I'm dropping down elevation to him, and he looks at me, and he's like, did you see me mess up? And I'm like, what? He goes, there's a bull over there. I'm like, yeah. what? So, I mean, it was cool, but we ended up then taking that trail, and I said, well, hey, the bull, like, yeah, it, it ran away, but it went the opposite way we were actually trying to work mm-hmm. this hillside. So, I'm like, dude, let's stay on the trail, and we found, remember that one bed underneath mm-hmm. that big, like, cedar pine? That yeah. thing was fresh. It stunk. It was still like warm when you touched it. Like, it's like there's elk in here. Mm-hmm. So we made our way through that really quick. And we found, I definitely think that one bed was a bull's bed. Lack of inexperience, whatever. But it was kind of by itself. And but it was overlooking kind of a grassy area that had like five or six beds in it. So everything I've read, I'm assuming that's the bulls watching over the cows that are like 60, 70 yards away from him. And, uh, so we make our way through that and we're now we're pumped. We got a bowl we saw. We've walked tons and tons of we're the furthest point away from camp we can possibly At this point be. we're starting to curve around the mountain and there's a section uh there's there's two privates and there's a section that goes between the privates that we can basically walk through to get to the point where we were started out the first morning. yeah to get back to camp so we're making the hook but we're all pumped now because it's awesome we got there's a bowl elk. We, we know there's elk in here so we set up on this trail we're gonna just slow call our way through and do our leapfrog technique that his mm-hmm. dad's taught us and has worked 
Well, what happens on the first leapfrog? It, here comes a rainstorm. And it just started pouring. So we're hiding out under a tree for like an hour. It finally lets up. We make our way through. Now it's getting dark. And we, we know it's a few hours till we got to get back. But we still want to hit that one hillside. So we make our way over there. Because we want to hunt that until dark. And then we know the trail past that to get back to Camp Easy. Funny thing that I'm saying this is Nick was like, we're sitting there looking at Onyx White's Here's raining. my comment. My comment is, there's a piece of private to the north, a piece of private to the south, and right in the middle, there's just this nice section of public. And I said... Same well, width and length as the two yep, yep, privates. Yep. I looked at Connor. I said, why wouldn't one of those two just buy that? So they have, like, nobody can walk through that. Yeah. Because it's a good connector between two big chunks of Nashville I, Forest. I can't remember. If I said this, I can't remember if Connor said this, but all we thought was, I bet that's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> it's going to have so many elk in yeah. between there. Nobody hunts that. Nobody touches it because it's so much private, and yeah. we walked we walked all the way around Just to this get private. There. Yeah, we walked six, seven miles from a road to get here. Now we're going to hunt this little piece of heaven we thought was. We found out really quickly, and I nobody bought that property. It is the worst shit. I mean, North Idaho is bad, but this, it's just a straight mountainside and just blow down city like the Beatles had gotten through there. It took us forever. And I now, like halfway through it, Nick's like, do you remember my dad was like, hey. This is going to break you. It's going to break you. You have to go slow. Yeah, I was like, now I know why he said that. I don't believe that I looked for elk one time trying to get through there. It was just constantly like, how am I going to get over this next bunch of downfall? And I remember one time we are literally like the worst part, the most it, it humbles you. And pisses you off is when you look on Onyx, you're like, I've been walking through this forever. I gotta be through it. I've made it 50 feet. Yeah, you're like an eighth of the way through it. And you know you can't go back the other way because it's nine miles now back around. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh God. And then Nick and I, again, lack of an experience, but we'd stand on top of logs and be like, dude, I think it meadows out on top. Because mm -hmm. there's meadows all throughout this. It doesn't meadow out. It's worse blow down because all the trees fell over. Yeah. It's just like, it's kind of open. You look up and it's more open, but there's just more trees that <laughs> fell down. So anyways, we end up getting through most of it. And on the, once once we did get like three quarters of the way, it got really nice and meadowy. And we, we had what, like, was it six, Mealies. five or six muleys? Mm -hmm. That we we saw feeding through Couple there. A couple big does and yep. fawns with them. Yep. Um some really good elk beds in that mm -hmm. and and this was these elk beds were this was the area that bull was locating off that first morning we got there so that's yeah. why i wanted to hunt so well through this but um we end up doing a setup um and we're like man this is gonna be great it was just a typhoon or whatever you want to call it. another wave of that rain hit well, us. well we set up and we're like eh maybe the rain's coming maybe it's not you're not really sure when you're up in the mountains and you're looking at which direction it's going you're thinking maybe it'll miss us and then all of a sudden it just started pouring on yeah. us yeah nick had a really good hideout i was kind of more in the open so i just yep. took off to nick we sat there for a half hour like we got to get out of here so we just hustled our butts back down to camp soaked 14 miles in mm. we get to the wall tents and bust it open everybody everybody's back. sitting there with got the heat going and they're all clean and dry they're like you guys are idiots basically mm -hmm. they're all drinking a beer and like laughing at us i mean 
these guys have been doing this for 20, 30 years now. So yeah. they're like, no, nah, we don't go out in this. I'm like, well, we're stupid enough. But we had an encounter. It was awesome. We checked some stuff off our list that day. Um, basically, we we tried to go back and hunt that area again. The next day, we hiked all the way back to where Nick got into that bowl. But we, we hunted it different. But we knew that that was it, mm-hmm. what it does is that north face is really good benches. And we're like, there's tons of elk in there, trails and all that. So what we decided to do was Nick was going to be the lead guy. And basically, I was acting as a bull back there. And I'm just, we wanted to do like Born and Raised does, throw some bugles out. But basically, be the elk nut guy said it too. Locate bugle while they'll move and locate because they just want to find elk. Mm-hmm. So an elk thinks there's another elk we might get one to crack off. Yeah. So we do that. We start getting in. Sure as heck. We think we're six miles back. No one's going to touch us back here. Mm-hmm. What cracks off? Another hunter down at the bottom. Just straight downwind of us. And Nick looks at me and he's like, first off, if if he thinks we are a real elk, why would he ever call to us? Like, he's, like we could smell him. His wind is blowing right to us. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, let's just keep doing our thing. And he has the same do-do-do, like flute-like movement the whole time. And I'm not hitting, I'm like, I'm not the world's greatest caller, but I'm pretty decent. And I'm hitting just like growls and some other stuff and messing with them. And he thinks we're coming in. So we get to like, we probably shouldn't have did this, but we're going to say it on the podcast. We got to like 100 yards from him. And like Nick would cow call a little bit and I'd just growl over top of it. And he'd try to bugle at me and then I'd growl and then I'd just rake a tree, rake a tree. And then we just left him. And we went across the meadow, over the hill, to the next spot. While we're going, what he he called two or three more times as we were yeah. like the next ridge over. I mean, that's just a, it's just uh, it's just not. We were frustrated. We, we kind of messed a little frustrated, it. and honestly, we had we had the wind at our backs blowing directly to this guy. No, no, no. He had wind blowing at his back. We were on top of the mountain. He was on the bottom. Correct, correct, correct. So correct. we had the right wind because we were going to work these benches down so the wind's in our face. Yeah. If we were a real elk, which he clearly we believed we are, we would have smelled him smelt an him. hour earlier. Yeah. But we would like be quiet for a half hour and then sneak in closer to him. And then he'd, he'd still bugle twice while we were sneaking in. And then we'd get close and just, and like growl at him and like rake a tree. And then he'd get all pumped do, 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 up. Do, do, do. But he never moved. He sat in the same spot. <laughs> so we shouldn't have did it, but we did it. So we get a game plan. Well, we go into town and we decide, hey, we're going to go into town. We're going to dry our stuff out from the day before it was a rainstorm. We get back to camp. I It started pouring again. Nick's dad is diehard. Loves, loves the guy. It. Loves it. He's like, "Why? Loves we're here. It. Why would you stay in camp? So he's like, I'm going back out. Well, I got fresh clothes and a full day tomorrow to finish this off. Nick's like, well, I got to go with my dad. I said, I'm staying back. So I stayed back with the other guys. We had a good evening, a couple drinks. It was fun. You guys didn't see anything that night. No. And in fact, I had to get under a cedar tree and just sat under the cedar tree the whole evening. So it was basically a waste. And you, all yeah. your dry clothes you did at laundromat an hour earlier mm-hmm. was for nothing. Yep. But... um. I mean, some side notes we're kind of leaving out because we are talking elk on this podcast. But um, as a collective group, I believe we saw like at least five different bears because size and color, we knew they were different. Yeah, we didn't talk about all the other animals that yeah. we saw. So uh, before we get to the last day, we can kind of mention these other things we kind of well, yeah. out. So th- I, I mentioned uh, second evening, I saw the 
three or four moves. Yep. And then, um, and then, well, you saw one bear under you. Yeah. The so one guy saw two a color face in a in a black at a different area by a water. I had hole. a I had another set, so just a mom and a calf moose. Yeah. Same place I saw the bear. And then your dad had a bear come under. His dad likes to sit tree stands in these meadows. They've done really well on these mm-hmm. spots. Once they they know these established meadows, they will go out and call and walk, mm-hmm. but they sit these spots. Anyways, his dad had a a bear come up and grab his coat that he dropped on underneath dropped this tree his stand. Take the off. tree stand, yeah. Took the took the coat. They saw a big cinnamon. I mean, it was awesome. And then I think collectively between you and I, we saw twelve different moose. So the one and your uncle. The one day we were coming back up the hill, we saw we were twenty yards from the moose and the calf. Yeah. And then the last morning, when we did that huge loop. No, that no second day, second to last day when we messed with that guy, we had that calf or that cow like thirty yards from us. Or yeah, that's yards. what I was talking about. Yeah, but then the the morning that the last we got morning, into bugling yep. bulls. Yeah, uh, we had a cow and two calves. Yeah, where we just spotted feeding it them. feeding over on the other hillside, and then as we walked, we got into bugling bulls. Well, we also were kind of chasing that bugle, and mm-hmm. you just see it something out in that meadow, and you're kind of like, well, it's they're kind of checking you out. And you're well, you didn't know is it elk because there's a bull bugle, and there's yeah. some cows feeding up, and mm-hmm. so I think we saw twelve moose, and I know they're different because one would be a calf or a cow by herself. Nick saw a cow and two calves. The we first saw, one was three calves. Then I saw so that's one. Four. I saw one with two calves. And then we saw the one with one calf. And then your uncle saw three yeah. cows together at the same exact time. Yeah. So we saw, yeah. A ton of moose. A ton of moose, which ton was of cool. Bears. Um, what we're kind of leaving out, and I, I did skip one day. One day, um, we did stay close to camp um, just because we had done a couple big hikes. They were seeing some bulls again mm-hmm. around the area. So, um, Basically, Nick was going to go back down. I believe you went. I didn't went to the beaver ponds that that's night. That's the, the yeah. area you saw that bull. And I stayed with his dad in this mm-hmm. area that he has had good luck at. What happens, and we'll go over it when we talk about what we kind of learned this year a little bit. But basically, I'm in a tree stand. His dad's in a tree stand. I didn't realize how far over the ridge your dad was for the wind to play right. Mm-hmm. But your dad's calling in a bull like that thing's coming in on a string it's and it's it's incredibly hard to like hear that you know what i'm saying like yeah. how far a bull is from him compared to you well and he's got 30 years experience i don't he knows this land awesome anyways this bull and him are he's what he does is does the cow calls and then he he makes a scenario like something's going on and then this bull cracks off but he leaves ignores that bull and he's just like doing his own thing the bull keeps cracking off. Now he's closer and closer and closer. Then he shuts up. Well, what I didn't realize is this bull was, and his dad told me later he should have just been quiet. This bull is going to walk 40 yards in front of me to try to catch his dad's wind. And I'm going to smoke this bull. And it, the last bugle I heard, he was within 100 yards. I mean, he's coming. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is awesome. Well, I think because the way the wind's blowing, my wind's blowing directly to my right. His dad is directly in front of me. And that elk. Is kind of at like my two o'clock coming directly in front of me. So I blow a bugle like I'm a different bull to my ridge behind me because I think once this bull comes up far enough that his dad's wind's going to dump right over him and I'm mm-hmm. never going to get a shot. Well, little I know his dad's over the hill more, so his wind's going completely left. 
not even gonna the bull will never smell him before i'd get an arrow in him way before he'd smell him mm-hmm. well once i bugled that bull turned his attention to me and he circled me and blew out behind me and his dad's like you should just been quiet you would have smoked that elk i'm like well you live and you learn a little bit right but um so the last night just to wrap up kind of you know how the hunt went which to this point as you guys can clearly hear even though we haven't physically ourselves put a an arrow in an elk we've had, we've had awesome hunts yeah we also didn't mention too like you know halfway through our week there his dad shoots a bull mm-hmm. a good bull too so it's awesome we're, we're getting to be part of elk packing and tracking and all the fun stuff that come with it well i think i think we kind of downplayed one of the the probably so i really enjoyed that experience with that bull that went downwind to me and i got to watch the whole thing but probably the next coolest thing was um the the very last morning that's what i'm getting to yeah so the last morning we've all been building up to this point that like nick and i kind of have an idea of where we want to go we scouted out a little bit the the second to last evening yep with with how we kind of thought these elk were moving from where we he had the encounter with that bull Mm -hmm. and we called that guy in basically in an area we haven't checked out yet, but like from the year before when we got into those two bulls bugling, they were heading that way to bed. So mm-hmm. Nick and I are like, let's do this big track. So the last, the the night before it, we go out there, which, so the, I'm confusing it. The rain would have been two second, two nights before that. Then the last night, Nick and I go out, we scout, get this whole trail, get it on Onyx. We have tracks. We sit on top of the ridge. saddle that we walk down. Yeah, it's awesome. We can get in there really, really nicely because we found this old, like, sheep trail. Mm-hmm. We get in there. Nobody kind of really knows about this because it's all blown down. you got to hike over some blowdowns. It's kind of a weird path to get back in there. But you once know? you find it, it's, yeah, like, it's, super easy to yeah, get into this easy. steep canyon. But to get to that is probably, what, a mile and a half just to find it just to find the start of this trail yeah Yeah. and luckily again his dad's been hunting this area for 30 years he he's like go to this spot you'll Mm -hmm. find it we sit on top of this ridge we glass it we're like this is just like well this is what you like think of aspens up top Mm -hmm. we got thick pines behind us big meadow with a creek below we're like this is gonna be elk heaven so we're like we're gonna get here super early it's our last day we're gonna spend the whole day here we are hiking in we haven't made a peep yet and all, it's pitch black. Still dark. And then, boom, one lights Somebody off. cracks off. And we're like, oh, yeah. And then a second bull cracks off down below. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Nick, this is going to be awesome. Well, that first bull, we've already, we're like even with him on the mountain. Well, he hasn't, he only bugled once. That's, we never heard him again. The other bull cracks off again. So we're like, clearly we're going after him. He's on the other side of the creek from us, so our wind's staying on our side. Mm-hmm. We have to go all the way around him, then work the hill up to him. Yeah. As we're going past him, now the wind's good. I let off a bugle. Maybe a minute or so later, he responds. It's not a direct response to me, but he knows we're there. Man, there's just something different, too. Like, um, again, we're very green, but you, when you hear a bugle from an elk, it just your ears just register it differently. Like we're, we've only elk hunted two and three years, yeah, and we instantly knew that that one that was upwind of us, basically. Yeah, so we could, the first one. We were like, that sounds like shit. But then 
that this one it was early in the morning yeah. it's just like that sounds so it's, sweet i know it was awesome but we basically we thought we kind of had a pretty good setup mm-hmm. nick snuck across to his side i stayed on my side and was raking trees and i did a whole scenario through the elk nuts playbook of like what to do and I thought I thought for sure there was a bench up there. Nick was right on the edge of that bench. I was like, I'm gonna watch that bull sneak to just. I just wanted to come peek on my side, and Nick will have a 40 yard shot. Man, there was a thicket of quakies where it was like, I swear I'm gonna just gonna see like like a tuft of elk hair start just poke out, yeah, just just trying to tuck through it and just trying to see what's going on down there. Well, and then the more he can't see it, he the more he comes in. I know. And I snuck my way up there, and I'm just waiting to ambush him. And it just never I was going happened. over in my head. I was in some thick cover, which I could just like mm-hmm. I'd lay on my belly just to look under the brush to kind yep. of see what Nick's doing. Nick, I made the distraction on my side. Nick's probably like 150 yards, 100 yards in front of me, yep. trying to sneak to this elk. Well, I look up the mountain, and this was a, as we're kind of getting into range. That's when he saw those cow moose and the two calves come out and that's where you're kind of like when it's that early you're like oh it, it's got to be something like an mm-hmm. elk you know there's elk bugling above them it's just not it's not it's not grass it's uh it's it's animal it's clearly animal. <laughs> yeah so it was a really cool morning he ended up kind of shutting up and we kind of chased him a little bit and then we found that that pond remember we came mm-hmm. into that and we just found some really awesome Spots. Up on top, so we found like a mini saddle, yeah. and then we walked up that for a while, and then we did a setup, and then we, we found like an awesome meadow with yep. a pond, and, and then we came back into each other. We're like, "Wow, this is cool right here." Yeah, it's I pretty they, good. All kind. I bet they come here all the time. And so tracks and shit. And yeah, smelled like elk and. And basically, we knew we had to go home, but it was like, hey, at least we, you know, we we're going it. multiple days without getting an encounter now or seeing mm-hmm. one. And now you have two elk bugling, one bugling better than the other. We saw a, a moose. We found ground. It's like, okay, this is a good way to end the trip, basically, that we even didn't mm-hmm. get a shot at one. Um, so that was kind of our 2019 season for the elk, which it was super cool. I felt like I learned a lot. Um, you know, and I wrote down a few things that we kind of want to just talk about, which we've, we've gone over what the hunt was, some cool encounters, but I, I wanted to ask Nick what, and he kind of already alluded to it, but like, what did you learn from, from your encounters that you had? And you kind of mentioned it, but the one at the beaver ponds and then your other encounter with the stick breaking, what, what would you, what'd you take away that you're going to change in the next? So probably, probably two things that are mentioned there. And then one other thing. So the first is. One, I learned that elk are incredibly smart and they do go downwind of you. And maybe that's just me being stubborn and thinking, no, elk just come right in, you know, did they, they, you know, but to see it actually work downwind and a young bull at that and then just completely blow your spot up. That was humbling. Um, Second thing is elk that come in silent. I mean, you've got to be. Head on a swivel. Huh? Yes. Your attention has to be on elk hunting all of the time if you're serious about killing an elk. Um, I, I think that I probably couldn't have gotten an opportunity at that elk had I been a little bit more experienced and maybe prepared. Um, Instead of thinking it's a squirrel, maybe actually think about it. Correct. Yeah. That, elk, that elk was coming into the sounds that we were making, 
and he didn't have your wind. You had the advantage. No, nope, I had the advantage, and it and it just I I mean I cow called at the wrong time, and after I heard a twig break, that clearly is not a. So that that's probably the second thing, and then the, the third thing is just um, if if you don't believe elk are there and you've hunted it, do not be afraid to go somewhere else. Just leave. Yeah. One of the things, though, from your encounter with the one of the beaver ponds that I took away from that, and I think you'd agree with this, when an elk is distracted, mm-hmm. make a move on that elk. Good Especially point. when you have the wind. That bull was upwind oh, yeah. of Nick, probably within that 70-yard range. Oh, and yeah. You can hear him splashing. And mm-hmm. Again, we're both young or new at this but like even his dad said you should have you should have had that arrow knocked and almost been running to it mm-hmm. like it's it's senses are down it's splashing it did it for 10 minutes like you said and i've heard people or heard people say this about raking go after them you can shoot them literally while they're raking mm-hmm. so that's what i took from that on my end i i took you know if you got to learn how to you know play the wind and know a scenario if you got a guy calling for you and you that bull is working to that call and it's going to just let it play out. Don't make a peep. There's no reason for you to get introduced a thing. More or less. I, I kind of thought that the wind was, I, I did think the wind was going to catch his dad. That's why I called. But also I was like, I want a bugle. I've been practicing, you know, it's mm-hmm. like just shut up and it's going to happen for you. Especially if you have a guy calling for you. But sometimes too, and not to, not to like soften this blow by any means, but like you, it's so hard to figure out what the wind is, especially when you're hunting knobs of mountains. Yeah, you're on It's tops. so hard to figure out what the wind is doing exactly. just 100 yards away from you. That I mean, thermals are different. Wind is different. And it's at that point, it's almost swirling. So yeah. it's, I mean, in your defense, it's not like it's it. It's hard. It's easy to figure out. No, yeah, you're right. You know, but also, if you got one guy calling, just let him call. Mm-hmm. You focus on shooting. That is that is probably something that is not stressed enough is that there is one caller. Yeah. Like there's not two callers. No. There's one caller. The other thing I learned too, and Nick alluded to this, was if you go through an area, even though you you think elk should be in that area or you have physically killed an elk there or had guys you're with kill elk in the past there, if they're not there, move on. Go miles down the road. Get in it. And I've been more than I think it's grateful to be able to hunt with Nick's dad. But they mm-hmm. they really like their spot. They're committed yep. to that with that. And they hunt that drainage. Maybe the other yep. drainage behind it. We need to start getting in a truck, driving. You know, and in an over the counter tag in Colorado, you can go to any over the counter unit. Yep. Go to a new unit. Go ten miles down the road and hunt a new drainage. We had on X spots that we needed to go check out. We just didn't because his dad's like, well, Did we've it. killed elk here, so try it again. It's like, you just need to leave. They might not be there that year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I think the last thing that I took away, that that was a big one for me, was like, we need to physically just leave. Mm-hmm. Just go away. The second th- or the last thing that, that I've read into a little more is determining what an elk's bugle means. And I've been hammering that elk nut app i'm i'm just you guys should all buy it it's worth the 10 bucks it's awesome i've literally been watching born and raised in elk 101's shows mm-hmm. and listening 
to what an elk bugles and then I'll pause it and then I'll be like, what do I think it was? Was it a locate bugle? You know, does he have cows? Is he um, inviting you? I forget what his term is on the app, but I'll listen to all of his bugles that he has in the app and I'll be like, oh, it was this. This means that. Basically, if does he have cows or does he not? That's how you should attack the scenario. Mm-hmm. Reason I say that, I firmly believe that bull was not bugling to locate elk he wasn't doing a locate bugle where he wanted anybody to respond to him that last day i think he was for advertising bugles how they say it meaning he was looking for cows that's why he didn't respond directly to our bugles because he wasn't interested in the bugles he's interested in cow calls that's interesting we've never talked about this i think and i i know i was waiting for this i think that's what was going on and i can let you listen to the bugle mm-hmm. and all that on the app but i think how we should have played it was get on his level. We should have went to that bench and then cow called. And if he answers it and likes it, the elk nut guy, Paul Medell, says, you can literally, we had the wind right and everything. We should have just cow called our way into him. If he's answering your cow calls, keep cow calling and walk right into him. And I think you... So let's talk about this. So what, the the wind was going down towards us, right? So we had the wind in our favor. Correct. We, we should have got to that. I stayed at the bottom. You went up almost to that knob. Mm-hmm. To, there was a bench there. In these quakies. We should have had as a group got more aggressive and went to that flat. So we're on his level. Mm-hmm. I should have had you. I'll keep cow calling. I should have had you sneak in. Hmm. This is what the elk nut guy says. Interesting. Um, we should have went and gone at him. Keep cow calling. If he shut up and didn't like it, what they say to do is leave you, Nick. Still 50 yards in front of me. I will cow call my way and leave you. Go like 100 yards down and sit for an hour. Even if that bull's not talking, they said, well, he was interested in the cow, but he didn't know if he really wanted her. But he knows she left. He'll come scent check what he thought was the cow's last spot. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, that you'll get a shot at that bull walking by. Wow. So I'm like, I'm learning this more and more is what did that bugle mean? And we should have played it way differently than we did. I think we probably could have mm-hmm. killed that bull. He was very killable. Yeah. No, so these are all strategies that, that, that I want to get into for the next year. And I think that's some more episodes we can kind of talk into. But that was one scenario that I think we played it. We played it differently. Yeah. And, and it was lack of experience. But this is good that we can talk about this. And mm-hmm. and how that all goes. Um, we're kind of so we're at fifty minutes. Um, so we're gonna just move on to the next thing. We'll probably I think do a couple more on this elk. Um, should maybe do like a two part on this. Yeah. All right. You guys didn't need to hear all that, but sorry. But anyways, I th- I think we could have killed that bull, and I think there's just some things that we're dumb about, we're young about. We yeah. should have left the areas. I think we're gonna be way better about killing elk in the future um one thing that i'll say is that uh it is interesting as you as you learn more about elk hunting uh it's it's very easy to just assume that you go into the woods you find a bugle you chase the bugle and you kill the bull um you see it on like youtube all the time it's awesome you get fired up but what as you learn about it there's there's different things that you learn about especially being from the calling Iowa. and stuff yep especially being from iowa you have to kind of tune into those things yeah 
to learn about it. Well, we only have ten days. We yep. gotta have. We don't have a whole season. You and know what I mean? the cool part is, is there's people out there that kind of emulate it for us. So like Born and Raised Outdoors and the Elk Nut and those guys, like they go like seven days in Colorado, seven days in Wyoming, seven yeah. days in Idaho, seven days in Montana. So it's kind of like. It's kind of like, hey, we're only giving ourselves seven days. Just like you guys And are. here's the methods that work for yeah. us. You know? And I think, you know, and your dad has done very well. I'm not taking nothing mm-hmm. away from him. But his technique is to get in there early that he knows. He knows where they like to bed, where they like to water, and he cuts them off in transitions. I think our style more needs to be that run and gun. Let's hit ridges. Yep. Let's bugle. If they're not there, we're gone. They're, we're out they're, of here. they're very much catching elk moving from feeding areas they're basically white tail honey elk yep and it works yep we did well you know yep. but once they're not there i mean they those guys would sit for like eight extra days while we were there and nobody saw a dang thing it's like come on guys they're clearly pressured out of this area yep. you know um moving on from that i mean i think we had a lot of stuff that can apply for the next year but um was there anything you think you need to work on now that we've talked about some scenarios in the off season? I I think you need to tune into I think you need to tune into the the things that people teach. So like ten dollars teaches you how to call elk, like the elk now. Yeah, and he's had success. With him and his son has had unbelievable yeah. success. They've had five guys they hunt yep. with on um, public land in in Idaho, where it's yep. a six percent chance of yep. killing. They've killed a hundred and sixty bulls in the last like ten years. So like tune into it's that. insane. Just listen to that and tune in and and figure it out because or twenty five years. It's not, not uh, it's not like an accident. No, know? they're clearly doing something right. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome, and like I said, I'm using that app literally watching Born and Raised and Elk 101 and being mm-hmm. like, what did that elk mean before they do something I want to see? So I think that's one thing I really want to work on is our calling, um, which you and I can talk about or mm-hmm. together and work on in the off season. So we're both good and efficient at it. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that I wanted to work on in the off season, which we've been making a priority, is and we were physically fit and everything this year, but we got to keep maintaining that. And and we've done half marathons. We're it's talking harder about, as you get, go, grow older. I know, but we're doing like a triathlon, just many things, some 5K sprinkled in, something to train for so that elk hunting, you know, it's a year away. I can get fat and drink beer. No, if you have something yeah. next month you got to get done, you've got to stay in shape for it. So mm-hmm. the in shape thing is, uh, is definitely a big one. And then, um, that I mean, that's just what I want to work on is calling, learning elk more, and basically getting in shape to to stay after them. I would say what I would work on is is definitely um, just learning what to look for in terms of like landscapes, and then also learning just the the calls and and how you call elk. Yeah, um, it's huge. I think another thing um, that I wanted to mention before we skip over um, what a technique we want to apply for next year to, to backtrack a little bit, and I think we've talked about it and we agree. I think Nick and I both, when we get to a drainage or an area, we need to split up, mm-hmm. find elk, and then come back at night at camp and then go as a group and, hey, I found good bedding. Let's go hunt that in the morning. Mm-hmm. I had bugles. Let's go hunt that. So give an area maybe two days. And then peace out. And do the same thing the next one. We cover more yeah. country and communicate. 
that leads me into my la- our last segment of this episode is like, what new gear do you think you need for next year? We talked about it when we got a mix up of the where we we're supposed to meet and leading into that. I think we should all as a group and Paint Creek, I think we should all invest in those um, Garmin um, in reaches. Basically, you can use your phone on airplane mode, but text each other mm-hmm. through the satellites. Reason I say that if we split up and Nick's like, hey, man, I got bulls bugling. We don't have to wait till the next day. He can pin me where his location is. Yeah. I can try to get to him as soon as possible, and we can work together. Yeah. If he gets an elk down, same thing where, you know, it happened to us twice this year. Hey, he got into that bull, and I'm sitting there for an hour or so in the dark going, man, where are you? You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he could have texted me, and when yeah. we were mixed, the reason, too, is his dad's told us a million of these horror stories where they leave each other. They and fucking just leave. Well, they they like, brought us a truck around the mountain that we didn't need it this year, which we won't go into that, but it was a whole thing. It's yeah. like, if we have these There's GPS... miscommunication that goes on. Yeah, because his dad gets amazing cell phone reception on this mountain. We get none. Yeah. yeah and he's crazy. always like, why don't you text us? It's like, because we don't have cell phone reception. And he's just at the age where everything should work to his. It's just <laughs> yeah. like... Hey, it, it just doesn't, doesn't work like no. that. So I think if we got those, that'd be a good communicator. Um, I that was my biggest gear wish. Um, we've gotten tents and stuff. I think we we both you upgraded your pack this year. I think I'm in the market to upgrade a pack, which mm-hmm. is a total different segment. But I think basically the gear one was the in reach. I mean, is just, there anything yeah. you can think that would benefit honestly, us as a honestly? Team? We're kind of gearheads, I would say. So like to. To talk about the gear that we want versus what we need. That's is, a whole episode on its own. Silly. Yeah. yeah. Plus, did we need anything else? No. Do we probably, but that was, and I agree with you, you and I and Michael too, we buy a ton of gear that we probably don't need. And we love it. Yeah. It's just like, it's one, it's almost like a hobby. Well, like we're almost like gear, girls. Like they gear. buy purses and stuff yeah, and we'll yeah. send like, hey, did you see the flash sale that first light had? Uh, oh yeah, I already bought the pants and we're just like. Spent way too yeah. much money. But but I really think that that inReach could could benefit us. I mean, do you not agree with that? Agree. I think that would be that is something that would that be, would be worth the three hundred bucks yes. just to be able to talk to you, and, and it's something we could use for 10, 15 years down the line. So, I agree. So basically, I know we kind of went back and forth, but that was our elk season. I had an awesome time doing it, and I can't wait for next year. We are definitely going to do another episode about what our plans are and how we're kind of what states we're building points in, why we're building points there, and what we kind of think we want to do next year. We don't quite have it nailed down yet. Um, all I know is we want to be chasing bugles in September. It's just fun. It's just uh, we, we kind of want to see. So to this point, so Connor has one more year than I do, minus the, the high school and junior high years. Um, we just want to figure it out. You know, and it's like we've so t- for two years we went to Colorado and we kind of been guided. Yeah, and I think now guided we, through your dad, not through correct, an outfitter. Correct, and now we kind of know what we're looking for, and we're excited to do it. I think you know it's always a good fallback to go there, but we we've also said we'd like to start pulling some better tags, mm-hmm. maybe hunting some better areas, Just but different areas. But even if we get general tags in Montana and other places, we want to see some new country, and you know. These techniques that we're picking up every year—it's all year. different. It's everything is different. But but it's all gonna accumulate, and we're we're smart about talking about it and talking with each other. And I think all these little things we do are gonna create big things. And I I see as a group at Paint Creek, in the next year or two, 
We are going to be some elk killing machines. I think it's going to be a consistent thing. Don't jinx us. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. And again, check us out on Instagram and our website. Uh, drop us a message or an email. Tell us if there's anything you want to hear about. And thanks for listening. Michael, say hello. You didn't say anything. What's up? Michael was our engineer this go around. He didn't talk, which was really weird. He always talks. All right. All right. See you guys later. Bye.